Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to church this morning. Please stand and join us as we begin our service of worship by singing our praises to God together.
new relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and in every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The moon and stars they wept, the morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon Him. One final breath he gave, and on that blackest day, the Son of God was laid in darkness. A battle in the grave, the war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake, the stone
faithful God calls us to uh, offer our prayers to him. If you'd like to come and use the altar rail as your place of prayer, please join me. Father, we come today and declare that you are indeed faithful. It is your faithfulness that draws us to you, that continues grace in our lives and pours out blessing. We come today acknowledging who you are and praying for your mercy and grace in our lives. We recognize how often we fall short of your designs for us. And we pray that you will help us to trust you more, to surrender to you more, to believe in your love for us and your grace to us and your faithfulness in our lives. Father, this morning we come and we pray for our world that is far too often characterized by pain and turmoil, by violence and death. We pray for people who are in need of the very basic necessities of life, food and water, shelter, safety. We pray for people who live in constant fear for their lives, For people who have been made slaves to the greed and the lust and the thirst for power of others. We pray, Father, for those who are most vulnerable. We ask, Father, that through your people, through the power of your Holy Spirit, set captives free. Provide nourishment to the starving and thirsty. Create safety for all who are threatened. Father, as you release your Holy Spirit on our world, help us to do all that we can do as agents of Christ. We pray, Father, today for the persecuted church, and we think especially of our brothers and sisters who are facing violence and opposition and threats. Lord, we pray for these folks who are there working near the city of Erbil. We ask that you will protect them, that you will bless their outreach and their ministry, and we pray for the church that is in this place and ask for your healing power to those who have been hurt and injured and grieving. We pray for continual witness of your spirit. We pray, Father, for Corey and Chris Theed as they work in Haiti and ask for your grace upon them and your mercy in their lives and their outreach and their ministry. We pray for Dave Doherty, who is now in Kenya, working with the Gideons there, distributing Bibles for the next two weeks in an intensive effort to share your word with others. And we pray that you will bless their efforts. Lord, we also pray for the needs that we represent here. We pray your comfort upon all who are grieving. We pray for your your healing power upon all among us who are struggling with issues of health in the variety of ways in which it may come to us. We pray especially today for Bruce and Matt and for Alton and Dick and for Isla and Bev and Edna for Linda and Micah, for Bill and Crystal and Emily. We ask for your healing power in each of their lives. Father, we pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon Dr. McMickle, who comes to speak to us during this week of special meetings and services. We ask, Father, that this will be a defining moment for us individually and corporately as a church 
the college and the wider community. Father, pour out your spirit upon him and upon us. We pray all of this through the power and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the, fr- of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? As I mentioned, we are at the beginning of Christian Life Emphasis Week, and this is a special time for us as we begin uh, this academic year. And you can, there's an insert in your bulletin uh, about the uh, various services, 7 o'clock the next few nights and chapel time in the mornings. And there's also an insert there with some biographical information about our speaker, Dr. Marvin McMickle. We are so glad to have him here. And uh, I know that the Lord is going to use him as uh, we gather today and throughout the next few days. I want to invite you to take a moment, stand and greet one another. And as you do so, if your children, children can be dismissed for Children's Church and Junior Church. Well, first of all, good morning to all of you. What a joy and uh, privilege it is to be with you in this church. I've been up the hill to the college a few times, have driven by the church, never been in. And uh, what a beautiful place this is to gather and to pray and to praise the Lord. Uh, Before I start, just a few words of thanks, first of all, to the pastor for the wonderful invitation to come and be a part of these days, to the praise team for the beautiful music that they brought in word, song, and instrument, and also to uh, my marvelous host from last night, Kevin Austin, who came down to the room, introduced himself, and reminded me that it was his wife 
who brought some lovely things for me to enjoy these days, uh, cereal and fruit and all manner of things. So if over the next few days you see my waistline expanding, you may give thanks to Kevin Austin and his wife for their wonderful hospitality and friendship, and I thank both of them for doing so. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word, for its presence in our hearts, and for its claim upon our lives. Speak to us now from that part of your word which has been read. Open it to our understanding. Help us to yield to its claims and to be challenged by all that it sets out today. Grant, O God, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. This text in Genesis chapter 4 involves a question that most of us, if we were to grapple with it, would turn into an answer. The question is, am I my brother's keeper? The answer that so many of us offer quickly, sometimes glibly, sometimes casually, is not a question at all. What an affirmation. I am my brother's keeper. I hear that all the time. I, I read it in written materials. People who are laying claim to this affirmation. I am my brother's keeper. And I ask myself, how did this question from Cain come an answer from us. Here's the story. Here's the background to it. Adam and Eve had two sons. One was uh, Abel. One was Cain. One was a shepherd. One was a farmer. They both bought an offering to the Lord, as was their duty. God had favor upon the offering of one did not have favor upon the offering of the other. For whatever reason, who knows the mind of God, who knows what it was between the offering of the firstlings of the flock and the offering of the field? Who knows why God showed favor to the one but not to the other? I don't know. All I know is that God showed favor to Abel and not to Cain. And Cain got angry and killed his brother. There are people in this world, and we hear about it all too often, and we prayed about it just a moment ago, who in fits of rage or anger or jealousy, or hatred, or prejudice, who in, who in fits of rage take it upon themselves to kill other people. So it was in this text that one person kills another and then walks away as if there was no accountability to be had. And God came and asks the question, where is your brother? Now, this is really a rhetorical question. God already knew the answer. There's no hiding from God, no hiding of our actions from God. God knew exactly 
where the brother was. He wanted to find out whether or not this murderer would own up to what he had done. And instead of saying what had happened, he offers God a dodge, a subtle ploy, an evasive question. I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, keeping in the Old Testament, based upon the word shamar, involves the notion that you can protect, preserve, provide for, build a hedge around, keep from danger, keep from hurt, keep from want, drive away any that impending dangers that might be coming. Cain knew exactly what it meant to be a keeper. He watched his brother do it for years. But when God asks, where is your brother? He takes it upon himself not to answer the question, but to offer an evasive response. Am I my brother's keeper? And I ask you today, do you approach this text as question or as answer? Is it, am I my brother's keeper? Or are there times in your life when you are inclined to say, I am my brother's keeper? Now, perhaps the answer would be yes, if it really was your brother or your flesh and blood sister or your son or your daughter or your mother or your father or your spouse or someone really close to you. Maybe there are some extraordinary things you and I would do if it really was our brother. I recall in my childhood, eight, nine, ten years old, I was not tall. At that time, I was very short, and extraordinarily rotund. For my size, I was more ball than stick. And because I was an easy target, short, round, and slow, older people used to get the biggest kick out of taunting me in the winter. My home is Chicago, lots of snow, and they thought that I was the perfect human snowman. So they would just roll me around in the snow at will, uh, sometimes, you know, just singing Christmas carols as they went along. Um, It was humiliating. But I couldn't run away. I was, you know, not built for running. So I would just suffer and bear it. But I had an older brother who was not short, who was not slow, who was not rotund, and who did not want anyone beating up on me. Now, within certain limits, he would let certain playful things go by. But on one occasion, things got rather out of hand, and someone went and told my brother, that I was being misused. And I don't know where Paul came from. I don't know how he manifested himself. One second he was not there. The next second he was in the middle of all of this mayhem, driving these people away and telling them in no uncertain terms, do not bother Marvin again. And that was the end of my winter humiliation. It never happened again. And I asked him why it was he would do such a thing. Jump in that mayhem, take on all those people, drive them away. His answer was, as you might expect, I had to do it, fatso. (laughs) Because you're my brother. So 
They're things we do because someone is our brother, our sister, our mother, our father, our son, our daughter. The question is, how far do we allow the term brother or sister to extend? For whom do we lay claim as keeper outside the boundaries of our dinner table? Beyond the reach of our bloodline. Beyond the uh, circle of our ethnicity. Who else besides our flesh and blood, brother or sister, do we lay claim to being their keeper? Or do we just keep the ones who look like us? Just keep the ones who live with us. Just keep the ones who pray like us. Just keep the ones who worship like us. How broadly do we define my brother, my sister? Who are we willing to keep? If the gospel means anything, it means that you and I ought to be every day of our lives stretching the limits of the persons that we're willing to love and not being bound by the constrictions of our culture that tell us who is and is not someone for whom, to whom, concerning whom we have any personal responsibility. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, if you are, which ones? How far? How many? Keeping them only if they live in Holton? Keeping them only if they are Wesleyan Methodists? Keeping them only if they live in this country? Am I my brother's keeper? What drives doctors and missionaries to risk their lives in countries where the Ebola virus is breaking out all around? Perhaps it is their feeling that they are keepers of persons beyond those who live around them. How far does your sense of keeping extend? Now, there are some people I would keep if I could. My brother, same one, was a Vietnam-era veteran. 26 months he spent in combat. One 13-month tour, one month in Hong Kong resting and relaxing and buying what was at that time wonderful electronic musical equipment, speakers and turntables and all that sort of thing. You know, circa 1968, 69, and then 13 months more. When he came back from Vietnam with that electronic equipment, he put it up in a new apartment that he had gotten for himself and threw himself a welcome home party, playing music on that brand new electronic equipment. The next day he went off to work. When he came home, all of that equipment, every last speaker, every last turntable, every last mixer had been stolen. Someone who had come to his welcome home party came back while he was at work and took everything he had that he brought back from Hong Kong by way of Vietnam we have 26 months in combat. I think that experience hurt him more, scarred him longer than anything he'd seen in combat. He never recovered. He, he, the sense of betrayal, the sense of intrusion that uh, came into his life was stunning. If I could have kept him from that, if I could have kept him from being violated like that, 
Don't you think I would have done it? He's my brother. My mother, bless her heart, now gone home to be with God. When I was 10 years old, was abandoned by my father. Here's how it happened. I came home from school one day. There was a note on the kitchen door that said, to the family. Well, I was in it, so I read the note. It didn't say, to my wife, to my beloved, to only to be read by so-and-so. It said, to the family. So I read it. At the age of 10, here's what it said. Goodbye. Good luck. Can't stay. Can't cope. And my father left us. And I was 10 and Paul was 14. My mother came home and I showed her this note. And she did something that I had never seen her do. Oh, maybe she had done it in the privacy of her bedroom. Maybe she found some place to go where this could happen. I had never seen my mother break down in tears. Until that day, when she leaned her head on my shoulder and wept away her grief at being abandoned by her husband. And if I could have kept her from that, don't you think I would? Am I my brother's keeper? I couldn't keep my own brother. I I couldn't keep my own mother. I don't think that God has ever given us the job of keeping. I think God has given us the job of loving, of caring, of supporting, of encouraging, of sometimes critiquing, but always the job of being one another's circle of support. I think that keeping is a little too high for us. Our arms are a little too short. can you keep and from what? You can pray for me when I'm sick. Can you keep me from getting sick? You can pray for me when I am hungry. Can you keep me from losing the job which comes the basis upon which my hunger has become a reality? You can pray for your loved one's soul at the graveside. Could you have kept them from dying? By the way, how do we keep our brothers and sisters when in fact we can't even keep ourselves? Is there something you have gone through? Some some sickness, some trauma? some hardship, some heartache, which if you could have kept yourself from it, you certainly would have. On my wedding anniversary, June the 7th, 39 years of marriage, we were going to go down to a favorite location in Virginia Beach and celebrate our wedding anniversary. We arrived on the 4th. The first few days went fine, but now was the day for the celebration. The morning of June the 7th, I woke up in the worst pain I had ever known. Just bent over in pain. Couldn't breathe pain. Couldn't talk pain. Thought my life was done for pain. Told my wife, it's been nice to know you pain. Told God, get my chair in heaven ready. Pain, pain. 
I was rolled out of the hotel on uh, a stretcher. I can imagine that folks who were in the lobby checking in to this hotel, seeing me roll out on a stretcher, wondered whether or not this was the right place for them. Taken to a hospital, diagnosed with 2,200 cc's of fluid built up around my lungs. And for the next 17 days, I was in a hospital room tied to a suction device trying to get all of this fluid out of my body. And when that did not succeed, finally giving in to a surgery which allowed a doctor to go inside my back and scrape something from around my lungs which had become so hardened it was like sludge in a motor oil. On my wedding anniversary... If I could have kept myself, kept my wife from all of that, don't you think I would have? My wife could not keep me, but she visited. She couldn't keep me, but she loved me. She couldn't keep me, but she didn't blame me for it. She didn't say, now you owe me one. She was my wife, but she could not be my keeper. I give you permission today to let yourself off the hook. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Who can you keep? Not who can you love. Not who can you forgive. Not who can you support. Who can you shamar? Keep. But while you and I are not cut out for the keeping business, Jude, verses 24 and 25, there's only one chapter in Jude, just Verses 24 and 25. Jude tells us who the keeper is. Now unto him. Who is able to keep you. From falling. And to present you faultless before his throne. With exceeding great joy to the only wise God our savior. Be glory, majesty, dominion, power, now and forever, now unto him who is able to keep. Or number six, the great prayer of Aaron, the glorious Jewish benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Or Psalm 121, he that keepeth Israel slumbers not nor sleeps. So while I am not my brother's keeper, my brother has a keeper. While I cannot keep myself, there is someone who does work really hard at keeping me. Now, I know that there are those who would say, if the Lord is such a keeper, how is it possible that such hard and harsh and evil things can happen in life? Why doesn't God keep us from this? Why doesn't God keep us from that? The day that I can answer why God does or doesn't do what God does or doesn't do becomes the day that I become God. I don't know why God allows hunger. I don't know why God allows earthquakes. I don't know why God allows any of the evil things that happen in our world 
to happen. The question is that when things happen that puzzle my mind, do they shake my faith as well? Can God do things I don't understand and still be God in my life? Can I stay with God? Trust in God, believe in God, even when God does things, allows things, seems to stand back and turn God's face away from things which are hateful to my soul. But through it all, I still give God thanks and praise for the times in my life when God and God alone has been my keeper. So I end with this autobiographical anecdote about the keeping power of God. Before I came to New York, to Colgate, Rochester, I lived in Cleveland and I taught for another seminary by the name of Ashland Theological Seminary, which had a off-site program in Detroit, Michigan. So periodically, persons on our faculty would drive either from Ashland or from Cleveland or wherever they lived up to Detroit for a weekend class. Friday night and all day on Saturday. It was my time to go. One Friday afternoon, I was on my way to Detroit from Cleveland, about 5 o'clock on a Friday, on Highway 75 North, surrounded on every side by 18-wheel trucks, carrying their cargo to every corner of the country. And whether I fell asleep at the wheel or simply got distracted, I do not know. All I know is that my car began to drift to the left and smashed into a cement road divider. Five o'clock, Friday afternoon, Highway 75, 18-wheel trucks everywhere. It bounced off this cement divider and skidded across three lanes of traffic from the left lane to the center lane to the right lane and then collided into a steel girder which kept the car from going down about a 10-foot embankment. If I hit two feet to the left, two feet to the right, I'd have gone down the hill, turned over, I wouldn't be here. Now, while all this skidding is going on, not one 18-wheel truck hit me or anybody else. Nobody was injured. Nobody was hurt. The worst thing that happened was that when the car hit that steel girder, the airbag popped out, broke my glasses. Car was totaled. A pickup truck, tow truck came and took the car away. I got another car, drove to Detroit, taught my class in my sunglasses. Got a ride back to Cleveland and told my story. Someone asked me, how in the world did you come through all of that? And the answer was, The Lord is my keeper. And if God has ever kept you from something, in something, or through something, give thanks to him who is able to keep us. Please stand and join us as we sing together.
receive the benediction. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding great joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.